Welcome to Erotic Awakening with Dan and Dawn, a weekly view of all things erotic. From BDSM to erotic spirituality, from swinging as a lifestyle to simply fun kink, each week we bring you a diverse offering of erotic and alternative lifestyles in its many forms. This podcast includes frank discussions of highly sexual topics. This podcast is intended for consenting adults over the age of 18. If you are offended by this type of content, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. Today on the podcast, we will be speaking with Elena, and she Mm -hmm. is the executive director of the Center for Sex Positive Culture. Yes, out of Seattle. So I came across her recently after exchanging some emails with her, and she was at one of the events I went to, so I drug her up to the hotel room and interviewed her. (laughs) It's not where I thought you were going with that. No, no, but yeah, I just asked her a lot of questions, so it sounded like a very interesting concept. And it's it is, and it's a she does a wonderful job of explaining if uh, if you wanted to start your own mm-hmm. um, center for sex positive culture or like thing, right. how they went about accomplishing it. And they've been around for about ten years now, I think something like that. So we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, before we get there, I do want to mention that in our last podcast we were playing with terminology. We got mm-hmm. confused about what something was called. And luckily, oh, yeah. I was way off. <laughs> luckily, one of our podcast listeners wrote in and explained what it was we wanted, we were trying to get to. Well, I think he's a little more than a podcast listener. He is also the... Um, boy, have we had him on the podcast yet? No, we haven't. Maybe we should. Okay. Well, of the uh, we, we've talked about, and of course, we have uh, Slave Jim on the podcast on occasion, who, by the way, got her first piece of personal <laughs> fan, uh, mail. fan mail. I mean, sometimes people write in and say, oh, I like the podcast, and it was nice to hear Slave Jim, what mm-hmm. she had to say. But this one said, more Slave Jim, please. Right. So she was quite happy to hear that. We've had your girlfriend on here, We Karen. have had Karen on here on occasion mm-hmm. as well, but we have yet to have Marty on. Right. Who is your boyfriend. Yes. So... Fortunately, we, just, we, we should have him on there because he's smart because he understands things like what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Which was um, when someone comes in someone's vagina mm-hmm. <laughs> and then eats out their own cum or someone else's cum or whatever. What's it called? So, for example, mm-hmm. if Marty were to come in your vagina or anus <laughs> and then eat Where it are out. Where going? Okay, no. <laughs> that would be called, that's called uh, felching. Felching is the sexual practice involving the act of sucking semen out of Dawn's vagina or anus. Not or, just mine. Not just yours? Okay. No. Or anyone else's. <laughs> and then, if Marty, after sucking the semen out of your anus, were to um, mouth-to-mouth kiss me to transfer the <laughs> semen over, that is called snowballing. I just don't see that happening. I, I would be surprised if Marty comes back to the house anytime soon after this. Or anyone else, certainly, um, doing the same act. So that's called felching, felching. and mm-hmm. snowballing. Right. And, um, um, but uh, confusingly enough, also, felching may also refer to the, to the um, anal insertion of a small animal such as a gerbil. Now, now this uh, definition actually says refer to the alleged anal insertion. I wonder why they use the word alleged. We've certainly heard that often <laughs> enough that that supposedly right. happens. I, would, I, I see that that is also called gerbiling, which I think is a much Aww. preferable term. Is that, is that for the anus or for the gerbil? That's that for the gerbil. Okay. <laughs> Poor guy. So uh, apparently we are an educational podcast and, and we've been you know, educated. We try. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a new one for me. And I have a feeling that uh, Marty will not be writing in anytime soon because I don't know that he expected <laughs> to be used as a test person. Probably not. Uh, Marty's also famous for starting the absolutely game. Yes. The absolutely drinking game every time we say absolutely. I try not drink. to say it anymore because, yeah, I don't want people drinking because I say absolutely. <laughs> So, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Swap Fu, who yes. we had not too long ago on the podcast, they mm-hmm. would be proud of us, wouldn't they? Oh, yes, they would. How <laughs> soon they forget. 
No, it just made me think. I didn't know you were going there. Well, uh, just two days ago, you and I went to a swing club about an hour north of Columbus. Mm -hmm. I had to search long and hard for long and hard (laughs) (laughs) for one that was open on a weeknight. Yes. And this was a a Tuesday night that it was Mm -hmm. open. And um, do you remember, though, I don't know if you noticed this, when we signed this contract to become members, it specifically said that we cannot talk about this pod, this uh, swing club on any media format, including this podcast. Oh, no, I didn't see that. And I can see why they put that in there. Yeah. Um, And it makes sense, and that's fine. But uh, we did make it to a swing club. We Mm -hmm. checked that out. We um, were, uh, we had a momentary moment of monogamy in our swinging. (laughs) We weren't really going there to pick anyone up or to be involved with anyone else. We were really... Um, and in later episodes, we should do something about rekindling the romance sort of thing. Right. For us, it's very much about getting out of the workspace. Mm-hmm. Our podcast studio it happens to be the same place that we pay the bills, the same right. place that we eat dinner and the bed. It, you know, we live in all this stuff and we're very busy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to take a date and go out somewhere. Yes. And, and we went someplace that the, the intent of that place is fucking. Mm-hmm. And I think um, we did the place proud. Yeah. So to oh, speak. I think we brought the house down. <laughs> Speaking of which, and I'm, and I'm so glad I remembered this finally. Not too long ago, you surprised me with a gift. Oh, I did. You had Julia show up at the house with mm-hmm. a bag full of rope. I did, yeah. And, and I, I liked it because you let me surprise you. I told you to block out this section of time. Mm-hmm. And not to schedule anything. And you were really good at not asking questions until the day of. And yes. I was going, do you have any questions? Do you have any questions? And you were like, no, no. And then a little bit later, you had a few questions. <laughs> so if you've had your pervy thoughts about, well, Julia showed up with a bag of ropes, then what happened? <laughs> you were probably so worried. No, well, you don't worry too much. <laughs> no, I'm, I, A, I'm not a worrier. And right. B... Uh, there's, you know, beautiful Julia shows up with a bag of ropes. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I had anything to worry about. <laughs> but what you actually had was Julia show up and specifically to give me some one-on-one tutoring on rope. Yes. And now you're curious. You're not curious. You know how this goes. But maybe our podcast <laughs> listeners are like, wait, what happened to the swing club? Well, let's circle back. Right. So Julia taught me some stuff about ropes. So we go to the, yeah. So we go to the swing club and I got to practice because they happen to have one of those... Oh, those iron, those really old, old-fashioned iron bed frame beds. Mm-hmm. So with the barred footboard and headboard. Mm-hmm. And the and, squeaky mattress. <laughs> the classic squeaky mattress. <laughs> and on a side note, they were running uh, British porn. Yes. Which at first was really hot because the woman's accent. It was, it was really oh, yes. hot. But uh, ends up British porn is as uh, interesting as... American porn. <laughs> yes. And as a matter of fact, even a little less interesting. Yeah. Um, that's okay. A story that's another, for another side day. note. <laughs> on a different side note altogether, oh, podcast listeners, if anyone out there knows a porn star that would come on the podcast, I would Ooh. love to talk to a porn star and get a little deeper into their heads. And, nice. Um, so if you're a po- podcast listener and it just so happens you hang out with Nina Hartley or any other. Um, Annie Sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> or anyone else, please let me know. So where the hell are we? This is this story is really taking. Okay, so quite we've gone the from the rope. I got you one-on-one lessons because you've been showing an interest in it lately, and then you took me to a swing club so that we could rekindle. Yeah, the and, good stuff. And they had. <laughs> and this... They had an old bed and antique. Well, it looked antique anyway, but we didn't break it, so it was good. We tried. Yes. And I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to uh, out you or make you uh, embarrassed or anything. So suffice to say, I tied you up and fucked you. Yes. Um, (laughs) But it it was really neat. It was a neat situation. It was a lot of fun. It was a Mm -hmm. hot fuck. Um, But it was also, it was neat to to take all these little things, take this rope and use it. Uh, and, And next time... I've always skipped this before when we've been to an event where a gray dancer is teaching tying him, tie him up and fuck him. That's mm-hmm. one of the classes he teaches. Uh, I think next time he teaches that, that I'm there, I will Yay. go. 
I will come all the way back and say, now I have had two very positive experiences with rope Mm -hmm. for myself. Master Phoenix here in Columbus had a wonderful class that I did got a lot of positives out of. Right. And Julia is, by the way, uh, it's so neat that we know Julia without realizing just how famous she is. Mm -hmm. And, um, so if you're looking for somebody to teach you rope, maybe you, you've got an event where you want to run a class or you want some one-on-one tutoring, you can get a hold of Julia. I believe the email address is brjulia at gmail.com. And we'll have that on the show notes. Absolutely. Just to, just because, to make sure it's Because right. you have that, are you sure? Yeah. Look so. on your face. So, but it was great. And she's hot. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> so beyond that, I do want to mention we were... Our, um, um, Someone reached out to us not too long ago and asked us to play a promo for them. And we will be playing a promo at the end of this podcast. And this is for the uh, the book Forked Tongue by Flag. Mm-hmm. Way back at episode number 10 of our oh. podcast, we interviewed Flag about yeah. his book Forked Tongue and had a nice interview with him. And mm-hmm. um, he allowed me to express some of my, um, well, not so necessarily concerns, but it's, it's, it's a hardcore yeah, book. maybe some doubts or something like that. But but yeah, he let us express some questions and, and then he answered, had great answers. Sure, sure. And he answered them and he didn't take offense and that's mm-hmm. always positive. But, you know, there's things that, you know, um, like uh, hypnosis for a fetish, uh, humiliation, play mind fucks. People can do them in different ways. than Right. Um, so it's great that we had that opportunity to speak with mm-hmm. him. Um, as it happens... Uh, not too long after that, he happened to uh, pass away. Right. So it's, um, it's uh, you know, I very much uh, recommend people jump back to episode 10 mm-hmm. and listen to, uh, I guess, one of Flag's last interviews. Right. And, um, and that book, The Forked Tongue, is still available. And if you'd like to get a copy of that book, you can look at the show notes or listen to the promo at the end of this podcast and um, you'll be able to find that for yourself excellent other than that hey mm-hmm. aren't you busy this weekend i'm busy most weekends you're but busy yes, every weekend yes so but I, I am i'm busy this weekend i got a couple of things going on actually this weekend you do i do shouldn't i know that you do know this so saturday afternoon i am going to be um facilitating leading teaching whatever the word is the ars submissive roundtable and it is going to be on ms protocol in public would would that be the same ais that is the uh, one of the sponsors, the sponsors of this of, podcast yes yes it's the same ais so adventures in sexuality and it's this saturday which is august 14th it is from two to four and it's at the panera bread on north high street so there's more information on their website you can head over to adventuresinsexuality.org for details excellent on a side note, I, I guess we should mention that the um, the Panera Bread is a little private room in the back. It's not like we're sitting in the, the common room around the fireplace no, and no, trying to no. um, upset the normals no. or the vanilla folk. It's a reserved room, so excellent. And then Saturday night, yes. I'm taking Slave Gem with me, and we are going to the Purple Rose Dungeon Party up in Akron. That's always a lot of fun. A lot of great people up there in Akron, Ohio. Yep. I love the people up in that area. And that's a great segue into our surprise question of the day. Uh Uh-oh. Surprise question of the day. The reason it's a surprise is I didn't tell you prior to the (laughs) podcast what the question of the day is. So the the question of the day is, and it's not that big a deal, but how do slaves and submissives go running around to different play parties without their master to keep an eye on them? Ooh. Well, actually, that was kind of hard for me at the beginning because I very much love going to parties with you. So I love the protocol. I love everything about it. You know, Um, at the beginning, I had my protector with me and, you know, everybody knew who we were. So then I started going on my own. And like I said, that was a little hard. And what I did was I went to parties where I already knew the people there. So they already knew who I was. They were very aware that I belonged to you. And you gave me a couple of rules. And as long as I followed those rules, I'm pretty much the type of person that's only going to play with people I know. So 
you pretty much trusted me and I went out there and got my feet wet. As time has gone by and as you've gained in your own personal power and your own personal confidence, I think it's a little less of a challenge for you. Mm-hmm. than, it, And I know that because you've gone out of state to swing clubs at this point by yourself. Yeah. Although, I, although you did have a friend that was meeting you. I there. did. I did. I had a friend that was meeting me there and I've done that once. And I went to the Leather, Leather Leadership Conference up in Detroit. But again, I knew people there. So I haven't really done anything like out on my own with a bunch of strangers so I've still been in pretty good space. It was still scary. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was still very scary to begin with, to go on my own, you know. But uh, it works out really well. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to take Slave Gems, so. Yeah. And, and podcast listeners know our standing rule, if you show up at one of these parties and Dawn has not met you and you say, oh, but I'm a podcast listener, mm-hmm. she has to play with you. That <laughs> rule does not apply for Jem, unfortunately. For I forgot Jem, about maybe. that rule. You remembered about that rule. So, But I do have, I do have a couple of rules besides that. So, um, and I kind of like these rules. And they're really, um, how do I want to explain it? They're kind of high end. They're not really going to happen. So I don't really have to worry about them too much. But one is... Are you saying never... No, I'm not saying never, but um, one of the rules is I'm not allowed to kneel for anybody, Mm -hmm. and the other rule is I'm not allowed to call anybody else master. So that kind of leaves a lot there that I can do, So, Mm -hmm. and I know what you're going to allow and what you're not going to allow, and I know that you trust me to be safe, and you know, I've kind of like proven myself over the years. (laughs) Very much so. And one of the ways that I am comfortable letting my slave go to these parties without me is because you are a skilled negotiator. Mm -hmm. You know, at this point, in earlier, you may have been less skilled at negotiation. You may have frozen up at the wrong moment. At this time, I'm confident that you'll be able to uh, safe word if needed. Mm -hmm. You'll be able to negotiate beforehand. You're not going to let somebody talk you into... Uh, let's go back to my place and right. do a little scene over there, that kind of thing. And if you did, you would do it in, in a very controlled and mm-hmm. um, safe, responsible yeah, manner. Yeah, responsible, absolutely. So we get to try that again Saturday night. Yep. Oh, it's gonna, like I said, it's just going to be a lot of fun. I know most of the people there, so I go to socialize, and sometimes I get to play, and yeah. I, sorry, I just had a scene pop through my head with, <laughs> with Michelle Bellinger with her claws. Okay. Yes. Stay here in the room for now. <laughs> worry about going to the party when the party time is up. Okay. If you have a question of the day, you might want to get a hold of us, or you might want to get a hold of us for any other reason, such as to explain the word felching is actually something you do to a bow. A bow? It's putting arrows. Yeah. Putting something. leaves? No, no, no. Putting feathers on a bow. I don't know. You know what? It is a word that starts with an F. I don't know that it's felching, but it's something like that. <laughs> well, if you want to get, up, get a hold of us to tell us what that word is or any or question of the day or any other reason, you can do so in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. You can do it by email at dananddawn at eroticawakening.com. We have a got comment form on the webpage, eroticawakening.com. Or we can be found on Facebook at Erotic Awakening. One, One word. <laughs> we have voicemail 206-309-0054. Call now. <laughs> with your question of the day. <laughs> and by the way, hey, you know what? If you call with a question of the day or a comment mm-hmm. or an insult, <laughs> we'll play it on the air. Absolutely. So we can also be found on FetLife, Erotic Awakening, two words. Or on Twitter, we can be found as Dan and Don. So let's go ahead and uh, talk about the Center for Sex Positive Culture, which I think I just screwed that name up. It is the Center. No, you've got it. No, it's I'll the Center for Sex Positive Culture, so, which is located in Seattle, Washington. So you forwarded me um, an advertisement. This is what I was telling Elena. You forwarded me an advertisement from some online newspaper mm-hmm. or something like that. And I read about it. And it's like, oh my God, what a great idea. I need to talk to this person. I think it was the examiner. Uh, May or may not have been, doesn't really matter. But really interesting, here in central Ohio, every couple of years, Mm -hmm. a bunch of people will be, uh, wow, wouldn't it be great to have a place where people, you know, like like Mm -hmm. a club of some sort. Right. You know, where where kinky people could get together and just hang out. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll have play parties, but maybe it's just a place to hang out and be around each other. Right. Right. Now, the, the idea isn't so far-fetched. There are 
Um, well, there's gay bars here in Columbus. There's right. Gay bars, more than you can swing a stick at, so you can find some gay bars there's, here in Columbus. Absolutely. There's a Stonewall, mm-hmm. which is the GLBT Community Center. Mm-hmm. So they run the Pride Parade and things like that. And there's the occasional play party where mm-hmm. we'll, somebody will rent a space of some sort, maybe a hotel banquet room or something. Or Doug's house party. Or Master Doug's occasional house party or anybody right. else's house party in their basement, mm-hmm. right? And I think the idea is, what if you could just bring all these things together and have this this place where it can ho- you can hold your educational right. you know, things. You could have play parties. You could have social play space mm-hmm. where people that are in alternative lifestyles can just hang out with each other. Mm-hmm. And every couple of years, you know, somebody will say, oh, I'm going to do it. And uh, we have seen it happen once here in Columbus. We there, have. There was yes. a place called La Femme Cravache. La Femme Cravache. And I'm not, I have no clue what that, obviously, La Femme means the girl. Cravache? Does that mean crack? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The female taco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's I, what I always thought whenever I said the name. Regardless. There is indeed, there was indeed, for a short amount of time, a, a place like this. Yes. And um, it's nothing like what Elena describes, but no. it was certainly a door, a, it was a, a step it was, in the right direction. Yeah, and it was a place to go. I mean, it was open every weekend, just like a swing club is. It was open every weekend. She had daytime hours sometimes. It was open one weeknight, you know, during the week, and... Sometimes it was open hours, and sometimes you know you could go whenever, like from six to one or something like that at night. Just show up with your toy bag and take over one of the rooms, and mm-hmm. you know you got to play. And a lot of the um, groups had their play parties there too. Yeah, we actually had one of our um, collaring anniversary oh, we did parties there. We did indeed. Oh, that was so that scary. That was <laughs> your. I think it was second. I think it was the second anniversary. Yep. And, um, you know, I remember a few different play parties there and it was, it was, it was a pretty neat concept. Now, back in that day, back in them, their days, <laughs> I was a little bit more politically minded mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I wish I was more supportive of the concept at the time. Right. Um, I think a lot of us come into the lifestyle and not to segue too much, but we come into the lifestyle thinking, oh, I know how the right way to do it. And right. I'm make people do it the right way. And you get a little more weathered and you, get, you stick around for a little bit longer and you realize there's probably a lot of right ways to do mm-hmm. things. And there's enough space for you to do it your way and other people to do it their way. Oh, absolutely. And there's no reason to force everybody into your line of thinking. But right. um, So Elena is going to do a wonderful job of explaining just exactly how you do do it and how you successfully do this and how you successfully create not only a center in Seattle, but as she goes into the interview, she t- starts to talk about franchising. Yes. So they are off. All right. So we are at the Leather Leadership Conference number 14 in Detroit, Michigan. So and I have with me Alina from Seattle. So from the Center for Sex Positive Culture, formerly the Wet Spot. The Wet Spot. Yeah. yeah. I think most people remember it as the Wet Spot. That's what are. we're going to always be branded yeah. in no matter what. We'll always be the, always be the Wet Spot. That's nice. right. So yeah. welcome. I finally nice. get to talk to you. It's good to talk to you in person. Yes. It's been nice to email back and forth. And it's absolutely. nice to finally meet you. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So I saw um, the Center advertised. And I forget where I saw it advertised at. And I think I... I wrote you and told you where and of course now it's yeah, I don't coming remember to either. Me, so. yeah. yeah and I saw it advertised and I was like oh this is this is fabulous a center for sex positive culture Yep. You know, so how did you? What is it? Are we doing it? Yeah. Oh my. What is this about? So, um, one of the things in Seattle, and to actually give you a little bit of history of the center, you need to know a little bit more about the Seattle history. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, you can go all the way back to the 1800s, believe it or not, (laughs) um, because Seattle has this kind of sordid past of being a very sexy city. Um, When during the Alaska Gold Rush. Um, we were the last city that people um, were kind of like a northern San Francisco in that okay. we were one of the places where 
the miners would come and show up and get all their supplies, and then they would head up to Alaska. So we were the last place that the miners not only got supplies, but got women. <laughs> and so prostitution was quite the commodity in the 1800s in San Francisco, so much so that um, there was a very famous madam, and I cannot remember her name right, right now, but she had a pleasure par parlor across the street from City Hall, and most of the city councilmen and the mayor would have, uh, it was kind of like City Hall number two, and they would meet over there and stuff <laughs> in, in, in this uh, pleasure parlor, because okay. it was a high-class uh, house of prostitution, and when she died, she died without any heirs, and so the city got her money, and they used her $250,000 estate to start the first Seattle schools. Wow. So the Seattle School District was started by money from a whore. Wow. So I believe that that is one of the things that makes Seattle such a sexy city. That, and that it rains all the time, so there's nothing to do but have sex. <laughs> so, um, so you, you know, flash forward to the eight, to the 1980s. We have the 1880s to the 1980s. Okay. And the National Leather Association was started in Seattle. And the NLA, as we call it, mm -hmm. uh, quickly became an international organization. There were chapters all over the United States. And at that time, it was the first pansexual national organization and it was really quite something at, at, in its heyday mm -hmm. and that is where I got involved with with the community in 1990 I met my former husband um, Steve and he was involved with with the National Leather Association he's putting on these parties called kinky couple parties nice. and these parties um, we the they were, it was the ch the local chapter would put on these parties at a local swing club. So we didn't realize it at the time because as soon as I got together with him, I started helping with these parties. Mm -hmm. And so we thought we were just throwing these really great parties at the swing club, but we were creating sex positive culture without even knowing it because it's up until that point most of the BDSM parties it was um, there was no sex at most of them because a lot of them were done in, in warehouses and in bar basements of bars and and, and, and hotels and things and also there the, there was men's space and women's space and there was very very little pansexual space um, they'd had a couple um, living in leather conferences and I think they had one of the first pansexual spaces at a conference was was at one of those but it wasn't very common so Steve and I were putting on these parties we were running a swing club we were putting on parties that is it working mm -hmm. okay we were putting on parties that had um, had gays, lesbians, bi's, trans, hets. Um, we had adult babies. We had everything all under one roof. And we didn't. We had a women's only area and a men's only area. And we actually even had a nursery for our age players. Okay. And this was in the early '90s. I mean, this was a pretty bizarre th thing that we did. And. Um, people would come from all over the United States to these parties. It wasn't just a, a little local thing. We had right. people from all over the United States and Canada would come to these parties. We'd do them four or five times a year, um, two and three day parties at the swing club. And the swingers found out about it. And they're like, well, we want to go. <laughs> and so all of a sudden we had, we even had swingers at these parties and we allowed sex mm -hmm. at that time because it was in the, in the middle of the AIDS crisis in the in the early 90s, we required any public sex to be safe for sex. It was kind of our way of educating the, pu the public and educating our players and stuff. So we did this for about four or five years. And then we lost access to the space for a variety of reasons. The owner's wife died. His daughter had taken over. Her husband didn't care for the s and as they mm -hmm. were called. We weren't called BDSM in the early 90s, by the way. We were s and m <laughs> And so we didn't have a place to play anymore. And a friend of mine and I decided to start a restaurant called Beyond the Edge Cafe, and which quickly became kind of a gathering hall for the kinky community. We didn't at that time have play parties, but we did have a basement that we did education in. Okay. So we started kind of started having this education. One of our member, one of our uh, dyke in the community, started this wonderful education group called. Just before I opened the cafe, she started this uh, education group called uh, C Space, where C stood for consensual, and it was an education organization. So she was doing that. Then we got our cafe. We had space for that there. We had support groups and education groups at the cafe. And the only place that was public play space at the time was this bar downtown called the Catwalk. And the Catwalk, we have laws where you can't have booze and BDSM in the same okay. spot. So they were breaking the law. And so they got busted and lost their liquor license. So no more SM. 
And then people said, well, we need a place to party. And I said, well, let's have a party at my place. I had a 400-square-foot basement. Not very big, about the size of this hotel room. Right. And... 80 people showed up. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I had, so they hung out in the cafe, went down right. and played. And before I knew it, we were doing parties every Saturday night. Um, our neighbor had about 500, 600 square foot basement area that was accessible from downstairs by ours. We had like a little walkway. He let me rent his space every Saturday. And so we had about 1,000 square foot, and we put on parties every Saturday night. I thought I knew every kinky person in Seattle. Well, mm -hmm. I didn't. I was totally wrong. And the first year, we gave you a card the first time you came into our to our fetish nights. Right. And we gave out 800 cards the first year. Wow. I was just stunned. And we gave out another 800 the second year. And unfortunately, kink and cafes just don't mix. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was so much work. And I love my community, but some of them are cheap. And, uh -huh. um, and a variety of things happened in the process. After three years, we sold the cafe. Okay. And that's where we come to the center, to the wet spot, is a group of people who used to come to my cafe all the time who were like members and stuff. In fact, I'm going to back up a little bit. When we got ready to sell the center, a very interesting thing happened is even though it was my business, even though I'd been working along with my business partner for, <coughs> excuse me, even though I'd been working for three years for no pay other than my tips because mm -hmm. new business, we were putting the money back in the business, the community had felt like it belonged to them. Okay. And there were people who were really pissed at us for selling. Aww. They had a community meeting in my basement in my cafe, <laughs> and they actually they actually were like, "What are we, what are you going to do about this?" Like, I'm like, "It's my business. I'm going to close it." You know? Right. And they're like, "How can you do this?" People were really upset. Mm -hmm. What that made me and a bunch of people realize is that space was really important. It wasn't the what; it was the where. Mm -hmm. And this is the case it is all over the country. Where do you do your kink? Right. Where do you get to go? Where do you get to play? And it's still an issue a lot a lot of places. So a group of people, not me, but a group of people who used to go to my cafe all the time, got together with the idea of creating a small little tiny dungeon of maybe another thousand square foot for fifty of their friends to come and play. Right. And one of the gentlemen it was in this first meeting, it was in January of nineteen ninety nine, he said his name is Russell Grinnell, he's one of our founders, and he said why don't we do a sex-positive community center? And everybody at this meeting, which, like I said, I was not at this initial meeting, said, what's that? And he said, a place where all the sex-positive can come to, the BDSMers, the swingers, the polyamory people, excuse me. There we go. There's some water on that. Would you grab it for me? Absolutely. So where the BDSMers, the poly people, the swingers, everybody can come, fetishes, and we can have, you know, parties for people and places for people. And we're like, that's kind of an interesting idea. So one of the guys that was in that, um, at that meeting was a good friend of mine. So Jim calls me and said, because they got to thinking, like, who could help us with it? I was known for putting on the best play parties in the city. I'd mm -hmm. been putting them on for about 10 years, right? Right. And so they call me up and they're like, we want you to be part of this. And I went, part of what? And they told me, and I'm like, I'm not volunteering anymore. I'm tired of volunteering. I didn't make any money in three years and I was just burned out. <laughs> and Jim says, well, how about if we pay you something? And I went, pay me? That was unheard of. Yeah, what a It's concept. still pretty unheard of in our community. <laughs> pay somebody? And, I, and they said, yeah. How about if we hire you as a manager to help us start this, this organization? And I said... Yeah, I'll do that. Excuse me. And they started me off with like $500 a month stipend. And, and I worked, um, I was supposed to only work 10 hours a week. Ha ha ha. And we started looking for space and we started doing fundraisers. And there was a, a little tiny play space called the Moist and Meaty that was run by a local dyke in the community that we could use her space for I small like parties. That yeah, I know. Isn't that a great name? <laughs> Moist and Meaty. And she used to have, it was a little tiny space. It was too small to like use on an ongoing place, but we could have small parties there. Mm -hmm. And so we did parties there and we had a fundraiser where we sold our first membership numbers. Like you could buy for $200, you could buy either number one, number two through 
10, I think it was, and a couple of people paid extra, like somebody wanted the number 42 and somebody else wanted the number 13, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought the number 666. Nice. <laughs> I thought that was kind of weird. And, um, and so we had an auction, we had a goods and service auction, we auctioned off the numbers, and we did an art auction. And before we knew it, we had money. We had like 15,000 bucks and about a membership of about 80 people. How cool was that? We yeah. didn't have a space yet. And then we found this amazing warehouse that had, uh, this is the part that's really interesting. It had been a paint factory. It would have been a, years before it had been a restaurant, but then it, it had been a paint factory for many years. Mm-hmm. And then when they closed the paint factory down, it became a warehouse for glass for this place next door that has that sells glass stuff. Mm-hmm. So there was broken glass on top of tacky paint in this big warehouse. It was really filthy. It was really horrible. But the key things was we could be out to our landlord, which is really important. It was on a bus line. Nice. It was in a light industrial. It had parking. Mm -hmm. And at that time, the rent was cheap. So we took it. And it didn't have any bathrooms. It had a cold water faucet. <laughs> and we put a porta potty out front and we started working on this building and we had some money and um that was June first and um on June fifth we're like, let's throw a party. <laughs> well how are we gonna do that? Well we got the porta potty. You got some equipment. I got some equipment. Let's bring some equipment down. <laughs> so we swept up as much of the concrete dust as we possibly could. We threw some place piece, plate pieces around. Uh, Jim brought this um, bed that he had, and we had this bed, and we put some black plastic up so that nobody could uh, see when they first came in the door. And we had a ta- set a table, card, just a coffee table out, or card table out. Right. And we sent an email out to our eighty some, ninety some members, said we're gonna have a party. And 90 people showed up. Nice. And it wasn't a lot of sex at first because concrete dust makes lousy lube. Yeah. <laughs> it was really dusty and stuff. But people flocked there. And they didn't just flock to play. They also flocked to work. All of our initial work was done by volunteer labor. I was the only paid staff person for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. We now have... Another uh, person who's paid staff, she's our site coordinator, and she runs the non, she manages the non-event volunteers and makes sure that the house place is set up for the parties and, okay. and that kind of stuff. But we're the only two paid staff. Everything else is done by volunteer labor, and uh, and we're very proud of that. I mean, that's something that's pretty spectacular. How many volunteers do you have? Well, right now, like, so I'll give you a little flash forward. We went from. Uh, four to four to six parties a month, right. like every Saturday and a couple Fridays. Okay. By the fr- end of the first year, we were doing three to four parties a, w- a week. Okay. We'd wow. move forward to mm-hmm. to Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and some Sundays. Okay. By the first end of the first year, yeah, end of the first year, and now we're doing. S- party seven days a week. Wow. We've been around for 10 years. We just expanded into the building next door, so which is kind of connected to our building. Mm-hmm. So we have two buildings. One is 4,500 square foot, and the other one's about 5,200 square foot. Wow. I finally have an office with a window that's big and huge. Yay. My office <laughs> used to be in a closet, and, <laughs> and it grew to a little bit larger closet, and then now it's I have an office suite with where all of us that are in all the admin are upstairs in this really nice office. But um, so we have um, about 150 people who volunteer. Nice. We have we signed up the first year um, from June of June of 1999 to January 1st of 2000. We signed up. Uh, we. We had 90 members when we opened the door in June, and by the end of the year, in January 2000, we had 1,104 members. Wow. We have signed up over 12,000 people as members over the last 10 years. Of those, there's maybe 2,000 that are active you know, at any given time. People move, people quit. Mm-hmm. They come and they find out that they're not going to get laid automatically. They don't come <laughs> back. Um, and for some people, it's just not for them, and we're real clear on that. And over 12,000 people have taken the courageous step to walk through our doors and say, I want to be part of something that's bigger than I am. Nice. You know, and some people come back. We have people that have been gone for a few years. They've had kids. Now they're back. Uh-huh. That kind of stuff. But uh, And we couldn't have done it if it wasn't for our, our amazing volunteers and how we, you know, that's, and we, we really do. We have a party every day of the week. 
uh, sometimes twice a day. Mm-hmm. Like on Tuesdays, we have a daytime playtime party. Nice. And Tuesday evenings, we have a social that's not a play so- event. And two Tuesdays a month, we have parties in the we have two spaces we have the main we actually have three spaces we have the main space we have the what we call the annex which is a small kind of a little bit more fancy sexy place with a, a sex area the main space is a big dungeon and a sex and play area and a medical room and what we call the messy room where people can do wax play and fire play and stuff right. and then we have a little breezeway to go to the other space and we have the other space we have a, what we call the raw space which is <laughs> like raw kind of warehousey we didn't put any carpet down we didn't paint the walls and feels very <laughs> warehousey and then next to the connected to that is what we call the annex which is like softer it's got nice carpet it's got okay. a nice sex area it's got a shower with a window in it you know nice. the other space has got a shower too so we've got and we have a kitchen and so we've got a really nice and the other thing is we have about 500 square foot library Wow. We have a library with over, I just talked to the librarian last week. We have a librarian who has a degree in library science. Library science. We have, our books are set up just like the, you know, library. The Dewey Decimal System. It's actually the Library Congress. Really? Just like that. Oh, nice. And we have over 12,000 books, magazines, periodicals, DVDs, all those things combined with Mm -hmm. over 12,000 items in our library. It's one of the largest libraries of its kind in the world. Nice. And I'm really proud of that. So, and plus, on top of all the parties, we do education, we do support groups, we have discussion groups, we have a kinky crafters group that meets twice a month and does crafts. Oh, that would go over really well in our area. Oh, it's so much fun. (laughs) fun. And we have we have um, really fun uh, fundraisers like Paddles on Parade, which is Mm -hmm. a fundraiser. Where we've had two of them, where um, people buy the right to decorate a paddle, and they pay ten bucks, they get a paddle, they decorate it, and then they get the paddles get auctioned off. And um, some of the paddles are amazing. The Kiki Crafters did a whole bunch of covers, like a crochet cover and a macrame cover <laughs> and a leather cover, and they made a box, and it was very very cool. Nice. And about three years ago. What year is it? Maybe four years ago. About four years ago, we tried. We're five hundred one c seven. We're a non nonprofit social organization, okay. and we started off. The name of our organization was the Seattle. The if I can remember now, it's been so long. We were Seattle Sex Positive Community Center, the SPCC. And our nickname was The Wet Spot. And we became The Wet Spot, and we just called The Spot or The Wet Spot. Mm-hmm. And then about, it was about four years ago, we decided that we wanted to become a 501c3. So we tried, about five years ago, because it's been about a year and a half trying, we tried to get the IRS to change us to a 501c3. Because we wanted to go from a social organization to an educational organization, because right. we really believe that even our parties are educational, and we really believe it. It wasn't like we were trying to pull something on the on the mm-hmm. IRS. We truly believe that we, in our community, we need the experiential education right. of just experiencing it. So we worked with the IRS. We got turned down once. We got turned down twice. We got turned down the third time. It was really fascinating because one of them was uh, places because they sent our paperwork all over from Cincinnati to Dallas to L.A. The Dallas guy, I'm on the phone with the Dallas guy with my lawyer and him. And he's like, I don't know what sex has to do with education. <laughs> that was hysterically <laughs> funny. So we end up in L.A. and they're going to turn us down again. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Their attorney calls my attorney. The, the IRS attorney calls my attorney. And I have a great attorney. And he says, I can tell by the uh, way you've written this that you're willing to take us to court and fight this. And my attorney says, of course we are, because we mm-hmm. feel we're right. Now, the IRS can make a decision, and it doesn't set precedent. But the court makes a decision, it sets precedent. Oh, and they didn't want to set precedent. Right. They didn't want to take a chance of losing. So they said, we're going to send all your paperwork to Seattle. We're going to let you work directly with the, guy, with the IRS in Seattle and start over <laughs> after over a year. Oh, God. So, but you're given... However, yeah. here's the cool story. <laughs> okay. So I get a phone call from this IRS agent, and he says, I want to come and see your space. Uh-huh. And I said, fine, come on down. So we, I have him come down. So there's a, we have this big round table in our main space, and this is during the day. And sitting at this table is senior agent with the agent that we dealt with mm-hmm. I called the other agent junior agent I never even got his name but he was sitting there just shaking he was so nervous Aww. my president of my board <laughs> myself and our attorney right and 
we're talking about what we're doing and stuff. And he goes, would you give me a tour? And we're showing him around and we're looking at, he's looking at things. And he says, you know, I checked out your website today. And I said, oh, you did? And he said, yeah. I said, it's really interesting. He said, but I had to look up what the word glory hole meant. <laughs> Don't you ever think you were going to hear an IRS agent say that? <laughs> and we, I laughed. I thought it was funny. And so about six months after, he gave me a list of all the things I needed to do. And I, fought, I had to tell him every single event we did in the year before. Every, right. We'd done 660-some events between oh our God. education. Right. and the, At that time, we were doing the Seattle Erotic Art Festival, which is a big one of our big premier programs and fundraisers. And so I, um, I filled, did all this work, and I got it to him. And he called me up, and he said, look, it. he said, some of the things you do is definitely educational. The art festival, your education, because we did a lot of workshops and mm -hmm. stuff. He says, and that would fall under the 501c3. He says, but you're never going to convince me that your erotic city parties are educational, no matter what you say. And I said, fair enough. And he said, so what I'm going to do is I am going to help you start a second organization, if you would like, a sister oh, organization. Okay. The IRS helped us. Nice. Did not charge us extra and helped us pull out the programming that fit. So he's like, this fits, this doesn't, this fits, this doesn't, and gave us guidance on how to make it work. So when we did that, we ended up with this 501c3. So we're like, oh, God, we need a name for this. See, we came up with the idea of the Foundation for Sex Positive Culture. And our, I, our attorney said that we really should brand both of our organizations together so people know that they work together. Right. So that's when we changed the Sex Positive Community Center to the Center for Sex Positive Culture. So we had the foundation and the center. So they were branded right. Nice. And we moved away from the wet spot, partly because we want, really want to legitimize what we are and who mm -hmm. we are. And while you know the wet spot's fine, it didn't fit really exactly what it was about. So now we have two organizations, uh, which I'm the executive director of both. Okay. And we have a I don't know, $600,000 a year budget between the two organizations. Wow. And we pay out pretty much all of that. I mean, no, we, you know, we make some money, but not much right. in between salaries and rent and mm -hmm. programming and, and the art festival alone is a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, and we do it and we're successful. And, you know, we have an amazing membership and we have just amazing people that, and we make a difference in people's lives on a daily basis. You know, I have, I have, I save emails from people that write me and say, mm -hmm. you know, I can't believe you exist. Mm -hmm. You know, all my, I have one, this one guy says all my life, I've been searching for something like you. He says, I've been trying to figure out what's wrong with me. I've been going to the psychiatrist. Nobody ever, ever once mentioned I might be kinky. They said I might be gay, which I'm not, but they never mentioned kink. He says, and now I find you, mm -hmm. you know. What an amazing thing. Amazing yeah. emails. So, amazing. I'm sure you get those kind of things too. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's what, it's what keeps me going when things get tough and when things are hard. <laughs> and I mean, believe me, sometimes it's difficult. I work for a board of 12 right. <laughs> and I love them in case they're listening, yeah. but, but, but you work emails, for a board of directors. Yeah. So. And, but those emails, it helps keep you going mm -hmm. sometimes when you wonder why am I doing this? Absolutely. You know, those emails help, help keep you going. So, okay. So one more question, if you don't mind, <coughs> I do not mind at all. All right. What do you see for the future? Of your center. Oh, the future. Mm -hmm. Well, that's actually something we've been talking about, and uh, my board has mixed. There's a, there's mixed feelings among the board. Mm -hmm. um, I actually really think that what we're headed to is to start chapters in other cities. We're talking to some people in Boulder right now. Mm -hmm. um, two of our former board members live in Boulder, and so they've kind of got a grounding of it. I'm also talking to a friend in L.A. I've talked to some people in Des Moines, Iowa, even. So, I mean, around the country, there's people that have approached me and are thinking, like, hey, we'd like to maybe do this. Mm -hmm. Whether we start chapters or we just assist people in creating other centers, right. we really do see us growing and continuing to grow and stuff. But I actually think that we're headed towards the idea of, of creating chapters, and and um, and I think that's that's probably the next step is to is to take this and take it on the road because I think awesome. that I actually think that while laws are different in each state in each city mm -hmm. and that some some people that if they have a sex positive community center they still may not be allowed to have sex in it because of local laws or that right. but they can still have the center they can still have the education, education. they can eat the foundation they can also still have some place where they can socialize where maybe they may not get to do sex but they can do bdsm mm -hmm. you know 
we can still create help for people create that and um and i think it's doable everywhere and we're lucky that we're just the right size and the right mix of people to do it but i think it's i think it's something that we're gonna we're hoping to see it blossom elsewhere boulder's probably our next our next step nice nice okay alinas well if we want to learn more about the center or read more about it do you have a web presence? we have a website nice it's sexpositiveculture.org nice and there's actually the foundation has foundation for sexpositiveculture.org the whole name unfortunately we can't <laughs> abbreviate it because that's some college somewhere <laughs> but because we go by F, fspc or cspc but we can't those don't work as urls but sexpositiveculture.org is the center's website mm -hmm. and the foundations all the um the, the educational stuff is on both websites okay. but the foundation is if you just want to see just the education and the support groups that's on the foundation for sexpositiveculture.org. Sweet. So, you oh. can write me at director at sexpositiveculture.org. That's how so, I found you. That's so. right. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, well, thank you very much for talking with me thank today. Thank you, Don. And we are going to go back to the leadership conference. Yay! I'm going to go to the bar and have a drink. <laughs> there you go. I'll Yay! Join you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Selena. You're so welcome. Here is something you should never do to anyone, and here is exactly how to do it to someone you care about. Hi, my name is Sol Hunter. Those words were written by my good friend and packmate Flag sometime in 2006, as the introduction to a book he eventually titled The Forked Tongue, a handbook for treating people badly. While the topic list for the book includes fascinating things like hypnosis, humiliation, psychological torture, interrogation techniques, and more, I think the thing that you'll find most fascinating about it, like I did, was a look inside the mind of a dominant and sadist who's completely accepting of who and what he is and isn't afraid to tell us all about it. Get your copy of The Forked Tongue by Flag. Go to www.powerandpractice.com. Coming up next week... Fuck machines. Fuck machines. <laughs> Fuck machines. Erotic Awakening is proud to support the Leather Heart Foundation, a nonprofit organization created to provide charitable assistance to individuals of all sexual orientations in the leather, BDSM, and fetish community. You can donate or find out more at leatherheart.org. Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Adventures in Sexuality, Central Ohio's kinky fun group. Find out more at adventuresinsexuality.org. Sarah Sloan appears on Erotic Awakening courtesy of Love You Parties. Find out more about Love You Parties and Sarah Sloan at www.sarahsloan.net. Music heard on Erotic Awakening, Free by White Knight, Strawberry Jam by Jerry Bradley, and Wanda by 31D1 is provided from the Podshow Podsafe Network. More information can be found at music.podshow.com. Bye, Dawn. Bye, Dan. <laughs> <laughs>